Amen. So, our series, Finding Joy, I entitled today, Go Look. Because if you want to find something, the easiest way to find something is go look for it. I want to show you a picture just now. So, this, this is our granddaughter, Emily. That's her dad, of course, with her. So, this is our granddaughter, Emily. Now, Emily is 16 years old, and she is the most caring, loving, sensitive girl you could ever hope to meet. And then there's the other side where she is creative, quirky, and totally her own person, which is another thing that I absolutely love about her. So, earlier in the year, I'm down in Texas, and um, Jonathan said, hey, let's go for a ride into Denton, which is a, a town not too far away, because he said, they, you know, it's kind of like an old town built around the square. It's, it's a great place. We can walk around, get some lunch. And Emily said, can we go to the used bookstore? I don't think I've ever heard a teenager say, can I go to the used bookstore? And, and Jonathan said, you might like it, Dad. It is huge. So we go over to Denton. We have some lunch. And then over one corner of the square, apparently it used to be the Opera House many years ago. There is this vast building with secondhand books on three floors with rooms off all over the place, books as far as the eye could see. And 16-year-old Emily could not wait to get into the bookstore. So, we go in, we separate, we go our separate ways, and uh, I'm wandering around, and I went to look for the, um, you know, the religion section, the theology section, to see if there was anything there. So, I'm in there, and we're in there about 20 minutes, and Emily and ours paths cross, and I'm done, and I'm not a patient shopper. I said, so, you good? She said, oh, no, I'm only starting. And, and about 17 hours later, no, it just seemed like that. She's got this stack of books, serious books. And I said, what are you going to do with those? And she said, uh, read them, duh. She's a kind of a granddaughter, grandfather thing, I guess. The one book that I bought was I saw this book called Studies in Ecclesiastes. And I looked at that, and I flicked through it, and here's what I thought. In all the years I've been preaching, I've never actually done a thorough teaching series in the book of Ecclesiastes. I mean, in all honesty, it's a little bit hard to get your, get your head around, what's he talking about? I've, I've, I've preached on verses in Ecclesiastes or short passages in Ecclesiastes, but I've never done a study of the book. And my plan was that uh, sometime probably around now that I would do a series on Sundays in the book of Ecclesiastes. And then 2020 happened, and it was like, maybe there are some other things that I should be talking about right now, so I'll keep that. But Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book. It was written by King Solomon, who was the son of King David. And when Solomon ascended to the throne uh, and, and became king over God's people, um, God visited him one time and said, look, I'm going to give you one wish. What do you want? That's a great thing, isn't it? It's not 
you know, it's not the genie in the bottle to say you can have three. This is God saying you can have one. And here's what Solomon said. He said, I don't really think I can do this job. Would you give me the wisdom that I need to look after your people? And God said to him, because you've asked for wisdom, you've asked for nothing for yourself, I will give you wisdom upon wisdom, but I will also give you wealth upon wealth. So Solomon becomes the wealthiest and the wisest man ever. And he writes now some of his reflections on life in a book that's called Ecclesiastes. And I want to start this morning by sharing with you what, you know, what does the wisest man who ever lived have to say about life? This is good, right? It's going to be good. Here we go. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless. <laughs> meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Yeah, I know right now you're thinking maybe you turned to the wrong kind of church this morning because you wanted to be in the church that was talking about finding joy. And here's some guy who didn't take his medication and he's really having a really bad day. But, but, but that's what Solomon says, meaningless. He said, here's his summary of life. He says, everything is meaningless. I'm going to tell you this, especially in my earlier years as a young pastor, uh, there were times when I really did struggle with some of the issues of life that I was thrust into the forefront of. Pastoring in a commercial fishing community in Scotland in the late 70s and 80s, um, I got a phone call one morning from someone who lived in the village, and they gave me the news that a commercial fishing boat that was owned and and basically was crewed by mainly people from our village, uh, was missing and was presumed lost. I knew the guy who owned the boat, the skipper of the boat, he lived right along the end of our road. His daughter was in the same class at school as our daughter Charlotte was. I knew that his, he had family members, sons, son-in-laws, all part of the crew of that boat. And that morning, I got in my car, I drove right down the other end of the road to where they live, and I went to their home. Uh, and to my surprise, he himself was there because he'd taken the week off. And I sat with that mother and father as they just realized the whole crew of that boat was lost, and the boat was. And I went back down the road towards our house with such a heavy heart. I remember the Sunday afternoon, I sat in the hospital by a, the bed of a guy named James. He was involved as well with the industry of the area. He ran an ice factory because all the boats, when they went out for the week, they took incredible amounts of ice with them so that as soon as the catch was in, they could box it, put, ice, put it on ice, and it would keep okay till they brought it into the market to sell. James had an ice factory. Saturday night, he'd gone down to the ice factory, and the process, I don't know the full process, it involved, they... they made these huge chunks of ice and then put it in this incredibly big machine with these fierce blades that basically just crushed all of the ice. 
And he went down there Sunday, Saturday night by himself to check on something, and he realized the machine was jammed. And as he leaned over to unjam the machine, he fell in. And he lost his legs immediately. And I cannot remember exactly what he said, but it was a miracle the machine stopped or he would have been dead. And I remember leaving the hospital that Sunday afternoon thinking about this man who had just lost his legs, and he had two children, beautiful girls. My heart was heavy for him. And around that same period, there was a couple in our church who had two boys. Again, one of them was at school with Charlotte, the older one. They had a younger boy who had a heart condition. And the doctors decided it might be good to really get it treated at this time and for him to have some surgery. So they took him to London to Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, top hospital in the country for children's surgeries. And he underwent the heart surgery. But he didn't survive it. And I still remember the morning I drove through to the Aberdeen to the railroad station because they were coming back from London on the train, and I went to pick them up and to take them back to their home. And I remember seeing them walking along, coming out of the railroad station, the two of them, instead of three. And you know, sometimes as a pastor, it became so difficult because I was on the cutting edge of some of the rawness of life. And then I would go back home to my two beautiful kids, and I'd walk in the house so heavy-hearted, and they would be, you know, they, they would be like, hey, Dad, let's get the ball and go out in the garden. Hey, Dad, can we, can we go over to the woods tonight, and can we light a little fire again, and can we make dinner in the woods? Can we go out and do that? And I'm like still in this other world that I've just been a part of that is awful, and I am so heavy-hearted, and there's kind of a darkness and a gloom I feel upon me, and then I've got this other world alongside of me. Life is so hard at times. Hey, let me read you some more of the wisdom of Solomon. Did you need some more? Here we go. All things are wearisome. Verse 8, same chapter. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has seen enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. <laughs> he was having a bad day, wasn't he? Or was he describing some of the things that a lot of us encounter and feel about life. How can I encounter joy with all this around me? And what I want to say this morning very simply is this, joy is also all around us. So you know what we need to do? We need to go look. Go look. Find the joy that is there too. Discover joy. Focus on joy. Make time in your life for what brings you joy. 
Yes, life is meaningless at times. Yes, life is awful at times. Hey, maybe Solomon's right, and after a generation or two, nobody will even know we were ever here. But here's the thing. While we are here, we need to focus on and find the joy that is available to us in life. Here's a little bit more. Verse 12, Ecclesiastes 1. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Hey, there's another point in the book where Solomon just puts it this way. He says, you know what life is? Life's a vapor. Life's a vapor. It's like here and gone. Here, here. Here's here's your life. That was it. Life. Vapor. You're gone. That's what he says about life. That's what it is. It's a moment that appears for a second and it's gone. That, says Solomon, is what life is like. Now, that is not intended actually to be depressing. What that can be, if we let it be, is it can be inspiring. Here's what, here's what he says then in light of all this. Here's what he says. Chapter 2, verse 24. So, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without Him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Or he puts it this way in chapter 9 and verse 7, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Now, I know some of you are going to say, some of you are going to kind of, you know, I don't want you to go out of here. Somebody said, well, what did, what did they preach about this morning? Well, Roger said, life stinks, go drink wine. <laughs> or, all right, that, that isn't what I said, all right, and that isn't what the Bible says. But what the Bible is telling us is this, let's be realistic. There's a lot of darkness in life. Life is a vapor. So you know what? Enjoy the moments that can be enjoyed and milk them to the maximum and really get the full benefit. So enjoy, celebrate, eat, drink, be merry. That's what he's saying. Find joy in this life. That's what the Bible is encouraging us to. The word enjoy, you know, comes from two French words called, two French words, en joie. Basically, it's make joy. How about that? Make joy. See, a lot of people are waiting for joy to be served them on a silver platter. It's like when every single thing lines up in my life, this will make me happy, and I'll be, this, when this happens, and if I could have that, and if we could do this, and if this was okay, then I would be. If you wait for every single thing to align in your life and think you'll find joy then, I've got this news for you. Every single thing seldom aligns in our lives. 
And if they do, it's for a moment. What we need to do is find joy in the life that God has given us. You know how you find it? You go look. You go look. There are places where you can find. Now, I, my, my wife has got this idea that for some reason she thinks men are no good at looking for things. Uh, I, I, I don't know where she gets that idea from or why she should, you know. Um, it could be that any time she says to me, I say, where's this? She says, in my purse. Just go. It's just inside. And I don't do that. If you put your hand in a woman's purse, something in there could bite you. You know, God knows what's inside there. It's like everything in the world. It's like Mary Poppins on steroids. So, 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 you, so you carry the bag to the wife and leave it to her, right? Doesn't mean I can't look for it. It's just that I need my fingers. But when it comes to joy, you know, the tragedy is it is all around us if we can but see it. So here's what I want to do today. I want to lay out to you It's like a treasure map for you. I'm going to give you some pointers as to where you'll find joy. And it's only the beginning of it. It's only a few suggestions. But here are some places you will find joy. And I want to encourage you. You know, though life so often is so difficult to understand and so hard to push through, if we will look for joy, we can find it and live in that. In fact, here's the thing. If you want to find joy, what you've really got to do is just lower the bar a bit. Because a lot of people set it up here. When all this is sorted out, I'm going to find it. And it's, no, no, no. You've got to lower the bar and find it around you. So, where are you going to find joy? Okay. I'm going to give you four suggestions. And people who regularly listen to me preach just laughed because they know I never fit three things into a sermon. But I'm going to give you four suggestions. Number one, Find joy in those around you. Find joy in those around you. You see, the pains of life should launch us into, so I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm going to enjoy it. In the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes to his friends in the church in Philippi, and he addresses them like this. He says, my dear, dear friends... I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. Paul's letter to the Philippians was written from a dark, damp prison cell in Rome. And in the prison cell in Rome, apparently he isn't having a pity party dwelling on his suffering and telling his friends all about them. But what he is doing, he is reminding himself that one of the greatest joys he has is them. It's them. He he writes in in the same situation. He writes to his young friend Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 4, and he says, I miss you a lot especially when I remember that last teary goodbye, and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. Find joy in the people 
around you. And if there's one thing the last five or six months should have reminded us of, it's this, don't put things off. Value the friendships, the relationships. And, and you know what that means? It means you need to work at, in the best sense, prioritize. Let's use that. I don't like work at. Prioritize that. Prioritize the relationships that bring you joy. Talk to the people who bring you joy. Spend time with the people who bring you joy. You know, one of the things I had to learn, going back to what I said earlier about some of the situations I faced in ministry, and those just came together, but those were in the years when I didn't fully know what to do with them. And obviously, as a pastor, you still find yourself on the raw edge of some really difficult situations in people's lives. But you know what I had to learn to do? Now, some of you are going to really think badly of me for this and uh, walk a mile in my shoes. You know what you've got to do? You've got to compartmentalize your life. So when I come from a horrific, heartbreaking situation, feeling so heavy-hearted myself, and I walk into the house, and there are these two bubbly little children who love me to death, and they're glad to see me home, I don't want Jill to be saying to them, hey, leave Daddy alone. He's had a hard day. I'm sorry, Daddy learned to leave his hard day where his hard day was, and I had to learn it, and I learned to find joy in what was right in front of my face. God gave me two fantastic children who actually wanted to hang out with me, and Daddy, can we go and do this? Dad, can we do this? Dad, can you play this with us? And it's like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Find joy in those that are around me. And by the way, when you invest like that in your children when they're young, to some degree, now they're in their 40s, they still don't mind hanging out with the old man either. Though I'm not going to the woods and making a fire and cooking them dinner there. Find joy in others. Those that God has put around you. Those who are part of their lives. Look at them with gratitude and continue to make and maintain connections. Life is unpredictable. You know the phrase carpe diem, right? Seize the day. Seize the day. That's kind of, that's, that's what really Solomon's saying. He's saying you, you seize the moments. Seize the moments. Here's how life is. Life's the vapor. Life's here today, gone tomorrow. Life stinks in so many ways, in so many times. So you know what you've got to do? Seize the day. Seize the moment. The original Latin phrase is carpe diem quam minimum credula postero. How about that? I did not skip Latin classes at school. I studied it for four years. And if anyone understands Latin and knows how it should be spoken, if I said it incorrectly, please correct me. But very few people are alive who remember Latin being spoken. Anyway, the full meaning of that phrase is this. Seize the day trusting as little as possible to the future. Seize the day. Find joy in those around you. And then here's another thing. Find joy in the success of others. When others are happy, when others are doing well, when others have succeeded, you know what they say? Comparison is the thief of joy, right? So somebody's like, hey, I want to just, 
I want to tell you, I'm so excited. I got this brand new Lexus, and, I, you know, it's got this, and it's got this, and it's got this, and it's got this, and I'm thinking, I'm still driving a beat-up Buick. I don't, but I'm, I'm saying, you, you know, the, the, there's the kind of, you know, and no disrespect to Buicks, they're fine American cars. But anyway, um, but the point is, if we're not careful, other people's success can be something that makes us feel resentful because we don't have it. But what we need to do, a great source of joy in life is actually, you know, plug into other people's joy. Plug into what makes them happy. Plug into why they're celebrating. 1 Corinthians 13, that talks so much about love, says this, love is patient, love is kind. Look at this next bit. It does not envy. It does not envy. Celebrate with those that are celebrating. One of the classic New Testament stories about, that illustrates that, that I really like, is the, the, the story that Here's the, here, here's, here's the Cliff's notes, right? The, the early church started in the city of Jerusalem. They were pretty much confined to Jerusalem. It was a Jewish thing. And then suddenly there was persecution. They kind of scattered all over the place. And then there were some believers who went to Antioch. And in Antioch, they actually started preaching the gospel about Jesus to people who were not Jewish. And they were doing really good. And then the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard about this and said, wait up, wait up, wait up, you know. We're the heads of the church. We say what happens. And they were suspicious. Like, hey, wait a minute. Who are these guys down in Antioch anyway? And how dare they preach the gospel to people who aren't Jewish? So they sent Barnabas over there to check it out. And, and I love this story. Barnabas, whose name means the personification, the son of encouragement. Here's what it says in Acts 11:23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. When Barnabas got there and saw other people being blessed, he said, fantastic, how can I help you? And he plugged into the joy of what was happening there. And, and one of the ways in which you will find joy is you will find joy in plugging into the success of other people. Enjoy their joy. And then the third thing I want to say is this. You can find joy in giving. If you can find something meaningful, even at dark points of life, do it. Do it. Can, can you imagine a society where people really have everything they could ever need and, and, and a bit more besides? And there's really not a huge amount of stuff that they should be that anxious about. They've got food and more than enough. They've got a home that perhaps their own parents, grandparents would only have dreamed of, okay? They're driving not one car, but one car each adult in the household and everything. Can you imagine a culture like that that actually is living the most miserable life because they're so stressed out? It's called the United States of America. And it's tragic. It's tragic. And one of the ways we find joy 
is not in accumulating the dream this, the dream that, the dream job, the dream income, the dream car, the dream house, the dream bank account. You know, one of the ways in which we find joy, we find joy in giving. One of the ways to break out of the stress of life is actually to be a giver. Be a giver. Give a compliment. Give a compliment. I, 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 I just try to make a point of that. About a year ago, we went back, Charlotte and I went upstate to take her son, our grandson, back to school. And um, we, we had a meal one night in a, in a little restaurant in the town there. He was at school out in the boonies in upstate New York where, where you know, there's nobody really there. Um, so they put a school in the middle of it so they couldn't do any harm, I guess. Uh, so, so there weren't many restaurants. So we went to this restaurant. I ate the best steak in this tiny restaurant I had ever eaten in my life. It was outrageous. So as we're leaving, I said to the server, please tell your chef that steak was the best ever. I enjoyed it. And she said, come and tell the chef. <laughs> so she takes me to the kitchen, and I go to the kitchen, and I say to the chef, I just wanted to tell you, by this stage in life, I've eaten a lot of steaks. But I think, I'm sorry, those of you that are vegetarians, I'm really sorry. But thank you for leaving more beef for me. Uh, but but I've, I've eaten a lot of steaks, but that was the best steak I've ever tasted. Thank you. And she said, thank you, sir. I'd like to give my life to Jesus. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. You know what? You just do what's the right thing. And when I left there, I felt good because, you know, not only did I have a fantastic meal, but I felt hopefully I'd encouraged her and picked her. If you want to find joy, be an encourager of others. And you can do that simply by giving a compliment by a kind word. Sure, if you can give stuff, if you're in a position to do it, help folk by giving money. But giving is such a source of terrific joy. It, in the uh, second letter to the Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, look at this next bit. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their poverty welled up, how did it show itself? In rich generosity. See, these people were going through a really bad time. They were extremely poor. But you know where they found joy? They found joy in giving. Look for joy, and you will find joy in giving. Listen, parents, why is it? Now, I know some of you got different Christmas traditions to the way we've always done it. We always do Christmas gifts Christmas morning. And, you know, why did we and did so many of you, Christmas morning, you can't wait for the kids to wake up, right? Right? And, and if you've got kids who are abnormal, who don't wake up excited early, you're banging doors to try to make… We had one that was like that. We had one that was like that. Just slept. It's like, no, kid, you're going to wake up. You know why? It wasn't really just for their sake. It was for the joy that we would experience seeing them 
receiving the gifts that we had. You want to find joy? You'll find it in giving. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 7. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. Paul's talking about giving here in the church context. Take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. Joy in giving. Acts 20 verse 35. In everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said, you're far happier giving than getting. Those are words of Jesus that are quoted that you won't find anywhere in the Bible. But obviously, some of his disciples heard him say that, and it's quoted here in the book of Acts. And and here's the thing. If you want to find joy, you know where you go look for joy? Some people think at the end of the rainbow, I'm going to be happy. And you know what the Bible says? It says, remember the words of Jesus that you're far happier giving than getting. You won't find joy when your ship comes in. You'll find joy now in giving. And then the final thing. I got to number four, you cynics. Number four, find joy in God's creation. Now, I'm not saying, you know, there are folks who say, well, you know, I think God's everywhere. I see God in the trees, and I see God here. Hey, listen, there's one God, and He's enthroned in heaven above. But actually, God's creation reflects Him, and it shows us something of Him. You don't know if tomorrow's coming. That's what Solomon says. So he doesn't say, so you know what, go into a dark room and put a sack over your head and hope for the best. You know what he says? He says, so enjoy the day you've got. Find joy where you are right now. We are surrounded by things that appear meaningless. So look for the things that bring you joy. Listen, literally, stop and smell the roses. See the beauty there is, like, wow, wow. My wife seems to spot everything there is. The, the, the other week she said to me, uh, I'm sitting in my recliner and the patio doors are there. She said, look at that beautiful bird out there. And I kind of glanced up and said, yeah. I didn't even look at it, but I just put my head in. It's a bird. It's, it's a bird. But then I looked again. It was a beautiful bird. <laughs> and it was like, Wow. Wow. Psalm 24 starts like this. It says, God claims earth and everything in it. God claims world and all who live on it. He built it. He built it on ocean foundations, laid it out on rivers' girders. Psalmist in another place said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the earth just shows His handiwork. Find joy. Find joy in this beautiful world that we live in. Go look. See the moments. Milk the moments for all their worth. Go look. But whatever you do, find joy. Carpe diem. In pain, rejection, betrayal, agony, find joy. Joy is not found in avoiding pain. We can't avoid pain. It's found when we resolve we will still embrace life to its fullest. 
Life is hard at times. It can look meaningless, and if we're not careful, we can become cynical. But the more we look for joy, the more we come to appreciate that life is not a black canvas with small pinpoints of light, but actually it's a mosaic of light with little spots of darkness here and there. Find joy. And your mission, should you choose to accept it today, is to find joy. Here's what I want to encourage you to do in one of those ways or some other way. But I'd be particularly interested to see how you find joy in God's creation today. So how about wherever you might be looking for the beauty of God's creation and savoring it for a second? And then take a picture and post it on social media and tag Genesis Church LI. And let's remind one another that there is a lot of reason for joy today. Pain is real. Suffering is real. But there is joy to be had if we'll just go look for it. Let's pray together.